Mike Ward speaking. Mike, how are you? It's Massimo. Massimo, how are you? Not too bad. I was fantastic. I'm, I was just lamb for lunch, you know what I mean? You remember those days? I know that. Oh, my goodness. I remember those days. Well, for, for those that don't know you, you are a chef, you're owner of multiple restaurants, you're a cookbook author, you are a huge TV personality, you're judge on Restaurant Makeover, Chop Canada, Top Chef Canada. But for me, you're a friend, but you're also a mentor because you're one of two people in my life that had a huge effect upon the way that I cook. One is my mom, not because I actually don't like her cooking and she got me into cooking my own food from a very early age. <laughs> but you, obviously, because I like your cooking, but you, you represent one thing to me, and we used to talk about this when we cooked together. Your temperament as a chef is dramatically different to any other chef, and you taught me that. So thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thank you. I mean, that, that's nice. Uh, nice to hear, actually. You know what I mean? You're always uh, thinking, uh, you know, I'm always thinking to myself, you know what, am I making an impact? You know what I mean? Uh, is anybody learning from what I, I try to do? You know what I mean? Is anybody picking up any of the uh, ideas or any of the... Um, you know, I mean, any of the ways of doing things that I have, you know, you know any of my uh, convictions, right? I mean, and, uh, that would be nice if somebody actually listened. And, and it does happen, actually. It's been <laughs> happening quite a lot. I don't know if that is a sign of age, but uh, it's driving me crazy and it's making me very happy. I first met you in 1995 when I arrived here in Toronto, Canada. And I met you and our, our boss at the time, Michael Carlevale, who owned a restaurant called Prego. And it was one of Toronto's hottest restaurants back in the day. And within 24 hours, I had a job. At that point, you were a head chef. You weren't an owner. But I watched you very carefully. And I could see you growing out of that role, transitioning into wanting to own your own place. And now you own many. At what point did you say to yourself, you know what, I want to transition from a head chef into an owner chef? Well, uh, you know what, it was in, I was in my mid-30s, and after nine and a half years, you know, uh, I was getting a little bit tired and uh, working morning and night. I mean, I was working six, night, six days a week, I mean, complete days. I mean, I was getting to work at nine in the morning and leaving at uh, one, two o'clock in the, in the morning the next day. So I barely had to go home, go to sleep, get up, and come back to work. And I enjoyed every minute of it. I honestly, I didn't feel like I was working. Imagine if Anthony Bourdain and Martha Stewart had a love child. And that little boy grew up to be a chef, writer and cookbook author with an incredible passion for talking about all things food related. And he had a radio show where he'd chat with smart, funny food personalities and celebrity chefs. And they'd talk about the most provocative topics and recipes, ingredients and tips. Legally, we can't confirm that boy is Mike Ward, but you're listening to Devour with Chef Mike Ward on Sirius XM, Channel 167, Canada Talks. Hi guys, welcome to Devour with me, Chef Mike Ward. Today is particularly exciting for me because it's personal. When I arrived in Canada in 1995, I got off the plane with any 20, within 24 hours, I was cooking with this chap, Chef Massimo Capra. Uh, he has been a friend of mine for over 20 years, and he was a game changer. He is a game changer today. He was a game changer in terms of the food industry, the restaurant industry in this country. He was a game changer in the world of food, media, and television as well. And 
I will say it, there is a number of people that have risen up through the public ranks and are now celebrities in the food space. And perhaps the passion that got them into this industry is no longer the passion that fuels them. This is not the case for Massimo. Massimo was always about just creating amazing food for people. And he continues to do that today in lieu of of this phenomenally large empire that he's built. Uh, And to work with him was a game changer for me, both personally and professionally. And we talk about that today. So let's get back to my chat with Chef Massimo Capra. Devour with Chef Mike Ward. I honestly, I didn't feel like I was working. Except for the fact that my son one day uh, said to me, you know, Dad, I never get to see you. I grew up without you. Oh, my Lord. You know, and that was like a punch in the heart, man. So I started thinking, well, what is plan B? I mean, I have to do something else. I mean, I've, I've learned a lot. Yeah. And I know that there is something better out there. So um, I left uh, Prego and I found uh, a partnership with uh, a gentleman that, that was opening a restaurant just up the street from Prego. And uh, he said to me, well, you know, I'm looking for a partner. I have a young family. I want to spend time with my family as well as work. And I said, well, I'm Dero. I'm, I'm one the same. So we partnered up, and for 20 years, we ran uh, Mistura Restaurant on Davenport. Yeah, that was a huge success. Oh, yeah, absolutely. 60% of restaurants fail in the first year, yeah. 80% within five years of that. Yeah. You've never had a restaurant that's failed. I know. I don't mean to depress you with those statistics because you've just opened. No, 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 no. You've just opened a new restaurant. We'll get to that in a little while. <laughs> Coming from Australia, this was all before the days of celebrity chefs. I remember it was I'd been there there two weeks and one of the waitresses said to me oh it's going to get busy soon because we have this little thing called TIFF Toronto International Film Festival I thought that, right. that that's cute you know a bunch of film students are going to come in and all of a sudden one night she runs in and says oh my god Tom Cruise is here and you know everybody who's anybody is in the restaurant for the next two weeks and I watched you right. and you would go out and I'd never seen this before with a chef you would go out into the restaurant and you would play the part that they wanted you to play you would go out you would shake hands and you would suggest things and, and and I'd never seen that because prior to that, chefs, <laughs> from my experience, were always back of house and the restaurant the restaurateur was front of house. That's right. That's a huge skill. <laughs> Talk to me about that specific skill. It's one thing to be able to cook, but it's another thing to be able to create an environment of hospitality. That's right. That's the, 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 the fact, right? I mean, uh, I come from a, an Italian background and in Italy... Uh, having the chef, sometimes the chefs go out and take orders from the customers. Yeah. The waiters uh, uh, serve the, the table, they take orders for the wines and all that, but, uh, you know, up until, uh, you know, the, the 70s, it wasn't unusual to have, up until the 80s, it wasn't unusual to have a chef go out and uh, and take the orders at the table. Mm-hmm. So it, it was not a skill that I uh, I wasn't unfamiliar with, and uh, mm-hmm. it, it was something that I have done in the past, and I yeah. had to go to the tables and uh, figure out what they wanted and all that, because, you know, after all, if I take the order directly from the, from the, the, the guest, I know that the order is going to be right. Yeah. And also, the, the people like to have the chef and talk yeah. to the chef and yeah. what you have in the fridge and what you have in the kitchen and this and that. I don't know if you remember, but, you know, I mean, uh, uh, Mr. Tom Cruise used to, uh, became very fond of Prego de la Piazza. He used to come in quite a lot. I do, and, yeah. Uh, he, he loved the spaghetti with clams and he used to come in the kitchen. Quite a, a good relationship there we had formed with them, right? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, we had so much fun in that 
Prego restaurant that was just unbelievable. It was the highlight of my career working there. Yeah, right? it was actually it was for many many people. And uh, you know, I mean, the, the skill that you pick up and learn. I mean, uh, when you are able and you're allowed to do certain things, right? I mean, uh, you know, we we generated friends for for decades from out of that place, and yeah. uh, and and being able to go to a table and talk to them and uh, see what their 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 passions are and we'll see what they like and what they dislike and all that. I mean, you can really create a menu for them that that really suits them, right? I mean, they they very very rarely. Uh, say, oh, I didn't really enjoy myself, I didn't like that, or I didn't like this. And, and you can offer the same exact thing that you would offer to anybody else. You know. The only disappointing part of it for me is that I'm a very messy cook. So I would spend half the night covering myself in food, and then somebody say, oh, they, they want to see you at the table. I'm like, oh my God, I look like a homeless person here. You're listening to Devour on Sirius XM, Channel 167, Canada Talks. And to cure your cravings, get online at chefmikeward.com for hundreds of tasty, simple recipes and a whole lot more. One thing that I remember we used to do at the restaurant, and this is what the owner used to tell us, and you as well, if we can make it, if it's in the kitchen, make it. If they don't want to order off the menu, they don't have to order off the menu. And I loved that. I mean, if you're going into a restaurant where it's a tasting menu, obviously you've got to abide by what they've spent weeks developing. But I loved that idea. Tell them what we have, tell them what's freshest and make it. And I think that's really interesting because as somebody who develops recipes and is about to launch a cookbook, for me, that's now my philosophy on food. I was having this conversation with Curtis Stone the other day. I think more creativity is born when you are limited to a set amount of ingredients. That's right. And we would do that on a commercial scale. We would say, well, just make them something out of what we have here that's not on the menu. That's right. And it takes very little, too. I mean, it's not like it's very complicated to make something good out of nothing. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, it's just you have to keep it simple. Normally, your mind uh, is preventing you from cooking something delicious because you, you get too involved in overthinking and overcreating. Yes. There, there is beauty in simplicity, and there is such a beautiful thing as to be able to, uh, you know, go out to a market and bring in a couple of things that are different from what you have on the menu, and then after, keep them in the fridge, and, and at night you have somebody definitely will come in that will say, oh, what else do you have in the fridge? Say, hey, I, I got this thing here, and I'm going to make it for you. You know, even if it's just a slice of good salami from, uh, that just landed from Italy and a little piece of Parmigiano. You know what? They, they are ecstatic when they eat that. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's such a beautiful thing to be able to do that. With the exception of Prego, when I worked with you, I had never worked in a restaurant before or after that had food specific to a region, Italian, French, anywhere else. You are known as an Italian chef. You have the handlebar mustache. You have the thick accent. That's right. You couldn't cast you better for your role. But do you ever go to a Chinese restaurant and say, oh, gosh, I really want to put cilantro on the recipe tonight, on the menu tonight but you can't because you're italian do you find that it handcuffs you a hundred percent and you know how much i love multicultural cuisine really. yeah. I, I love uh asians i love uh indian i love uh you know the southern barbecue as much as i love uh, south american cuisine i mean i go crazy eating everything and and uh, things like that they, they they i mean obviously in my restaurant here i cannot use cilantro because cilantro is one of those things that in italy is absolutely a no no yeah. you know like cumin cumin is absolutely a no no in it yeah, yeah you know except for a little bit in sicily maybe but very very small amount uh th- those are all things that i can't do right i mean it's like you know, th- th- there are so many limitations when you're cooking Italian. 
like for instance, do not use oregano in your uh, bolognese sauce. Oh, right? right. You know, you have to be careful because you know, depending according to what you put in a recipe, it becomes something completely different. You know, and then you get nailed. Even though the recipe tastes great, you know, you get nailed by the Italians that come in to eat, and they go like, "What the hell is this? What are you doing? You're trying to poison me?" Say, no, no, it's just a different way of doing things, right? So, but the, the limitations of cooking just Italian or just regional or whatever, yeah, they're immense. You know, and if you really want to stick to it, yeah, it, it is difficult. But that's why I go out to other restaurants to eat all the time. You don't do traditional Italian. Yeah. Whenever I've eaten at all your restaurants, you add something to it. There's always something new. Yeah. How do you inspire yourself but remain within the boundaries of Italy? Because I take the ingredients that are from Italy and they are within the Italian vocabulary, culinary vocabulary, and I just use those. I don't add things that are unnecessary. Yeah. You know, it, it, is, uh, it is not necessary to add uh, different flavors and yeah. spices, you know, when you know that in Italy we season our, our meat with just a little salt and pepper and maybe uh, we roast it with a little bay leaves, garlic and rosemary. That's it. You know, that's the Tuscan way. And, uh, you know, there's no need to add thyme and to add uh, oregano and, to ro- and rosemary and sage and, uh, yeah. you know, and then slather it with butter and then uh, do the wine thing and all that. There's no need. We, with the simplicity yeah. of Italian food is so clear. Do you find it is easier to make money in an Italian restaurant because it is essentially born of peasant cuisine? It's so heavily reliant upon flour and water, whether it be in the form of pasta or pizza or very simple soups. I mean, it's not like a French restaurant where it's very expensive to create. Absolutely. You're you're dealing with very inexpensive ingredients. That's right. And it's mainly the waste that you generate trying to create French cuisine, right? I mean, uh, going after the perfection of everything. So you, you end up having a lot of waste, and uh, yeah. it's very difficult to recover and to make money on waste. I mean, you have to make money on, uh, on real product, right? So yeah. everything that comes in the house has to be sold for a price, otherwise you're not going to make it. And that's as simple as that. Yeah. So, uh, yes, creating Italian cuisine, you have to really be smart at buying products that are First quality. First quality products are expensive. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, you, you can, uh, you, you know, the, 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 the scale just balances out at that level because you can buy generic food for, to create some other cuisine. But, you know, for Italian food, in order to taste good, man, it's got to be absolutely perfect. The basil has to taste great. The tomatoes have to taste great. And you know that there is a variety of choices on the market, right? I mean, you can buy cheap tomatoes and you can buy really good tomatoes. You're saying that you need really good quality because it's not sophisticated food. The quality has to shine on its own. A hundred percent. The quality has to show on its own. You cannot do away without the great quality products. When you decide, okay, I want to open a new restaurant, what filtering process do you go through? Obviously... You reverse engineer the menu. You know the certain price point that you want to land within, and then you structure a menu within that. But what is the key to keeping your doors open? Well, uh, you know what? I'm, a, I'm in the middle of that experiment right now. I mean, I'm <laughs> on my fourth week, and uh, we have lineups at the door. Uh, the neighborhood was uh, needing a restaurant like the one I created in this neighborhood. So 
Uh, I can tell you that uh, my calculations were relatively right in the sense that, uh, you know, I, I looked at the demographic and I looked at the, at the flow and I looked at what was existing here before and I looked at the, the way that the, the neighborhood is going. Yeah. I, I knew that uh, I didn't have much competition, really worthy uh, competition uh, from uh, from uh, downtown Toronto all the way to almost Hamilton. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know that's a good fifty kilometer span. So if I don't uh, create, if I create something that just offers great uh, Italian fare, I'm already ahead of the of the game. Yeah. Because I mean I'm in the middle of the suburb. I calculated the the, the fact that you know I was bringing something a little bit more urban, a little bit more interesting and modern, and I have uh, I have the space to do it. I mean I. Don't have a, a dingy, low ceiling little uh, joint. Yeah, I have yeah. a beautiful open air uh, space. I mean, you've seen it, so oh, you know that uh, you know uh, when you have uh, already the look. Uh, if you nail down the look and the feel of the place, you're already. Uh, one third there. Then after you have to have the, the service and you have the cuisine. I think a lot of people say to themselves, well, we go out to restaurants for food, but really you don't. You go out for those three things. You go out for yeah. food, service, yeah. and atmosphere. You know what? It's 100% of everything. You know? It's a, a, absolutely 100% of everything. It can be, you know, some people come just because the atmosphere is great and they just want to sit there and have a drink, mm. you know? And, uh, and they just want to be in, in the space. And, I mean, we are experiencing that right now at the moment. We are experiencing that. We have people that just come to the bar because, oh, I love to be in here. I read my book and I have a drink and, uh, you know, I spend the afternoon, you know. And, and that is exactly what, what you have to create, right? I mean, and then you have people that come in because, wow, the food is good. You know, and then you have people that come in because, oh, I know the waiter and uh, he always serves me well. And, uh, you know, I don't care. Just bring me whatever. She knows what I like, you know. Don't even look at a menu. We have, we have somebody that has been coming in twice a week for the last four weeks and has not opened a menu because she <laughs> likes uh, that this couple likes a weirder that I have and he knows what they like. So he just orders away from the menu himself. I mean, it's bordering ridiculous, but, you know, that's the reality. You've done a lot of reality television shows in the food space. You're putting on a very confident face, and I know you're doing very well in the restaurant, but I'm pretty sure you had quite a few sleepless nights leading up to the oh. opening of this. Tell me uh, <laughs> tell, tell me about what goes on when you're staring at the ceiling at 3 a.m. You're listening to Devour on Sirius XM, Channel 167, Canada Talks. And to cure your cravings, get online at chefmikeward.com for hundreds of tasty, simple recipes and a whole lot more. Oh, boy. You know what? The, the, the thing is, you never let them see you sweat, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, don't forget that, I mean, the partnership with my wife is also the, the woman that designed the, the, the restaurant, right? So she's taking all the accolades for the beautiful uh, space that she created and all that, but she's a worry ward. She is worried about everything, you know. So for the last eight months while we were building, we were one obstacle after another. I mean, you can imagine I've lost about 30 pounds uh, just because I was worried, but I was worrying internally. I didn't let anybody see it, you know what I mean? I was trying to laugh as much as possible. But you know that... Uh, your mind at three o'clock at night when you're not sleeping. I mean, your mind is just racing, and yeah. you're thinking, "Okay, am I? Am, have I bought the right stoves? Have I got the right size fridge? Have I got the right uh, place? I mean, I, I, have I have I placed uh, the 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 positioning of everything is in the right place so that people are gonna work easy? Have I done the right thing? I mean, the, every night there is something else that pops in your head, mm -hmm. and, and you have to be very careful because I try to put myself to sleep with a good 
TV show. Yeah. And uh, those are rare on TV nowadays. Yes. So, <laughs> you know, and uh, it's been it's been uh, it's been something else. I mean, I've been sleeping like four hours a night. And now, now that the restaurant is open, finally, I'm actually able to take a break mentally. I read a study recently that said that the fourth largest employment sector in the U.S. is in restaurants and hospitality. What is it that you look for when you employ front of house staff? Front of house staff, I like them to be awake. I like them to have a little zip in their eye. You know what I mean? I want them to be uh, quick and quick thinking. Uh, when we did the job fairs, we had uh, hundreds of people come through, and we picked, wow. we sorted out about 20 of them. And out of those 20s, we brought them back, and we spoke to them, and we explained the joint, uh, see what uh, what the place was going to be like and everything else. And then we fed them, and uh, at the end of the night, uh, a few of them stayed back and out to clean up. Most of them just picked up their stuff and left. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, that's one thing that, uh, you know, level of interest, you know what I mean? It just showed me that there was no interest in uh, really. It was just a job to make money. Mm. And the few that remained and are back, they're all on our staff now, and they are absolutely fantastic. They're breaking themselves in four to make the place successful. You've built a tremendous media platform. People know who you are. Perhaps less known chefs may look at you and say, well, you're going to be packed every night because you're a known name. You might get them in the door, but to win them a second time, obviously you need to be good at what you're offering. Exactly. How important is it for you as as a business owner and with, with all your interests, the fact that you remain in the public eye, nowadays the second phone call you make is to a publicist. You have to publicize your restaurant. Even if you are right. exceptionally good, there may just be somebody exceptionally good next to you. You need to remain in the well, public that's eye. That's right. I mean, uh, being in the public eye is, is definitely uh, a, a wonderful, wonderful tool to get known and to be known and uh, and to be appreciated by people. I mean, obviously, I, I'm cooking. I, I was on the line a half hour ago, and I had people just snapping pictures of me because my kitchen is open, and you can see it from the dining room. <laughs> yeah. And I, it, it was quite fun. You know, I mean, I was there running around like a cuckoo, <laughs> and uh, basically, like, I don't know, a board full of orders, and I had people... Just, oh, just look at me and smile. Hey, okay, that's fine, yeah. You know, I mean, and, and that's because of the, the fame of being on TV and everything else. I mean, but, you know, I never really chased that, right? I mean, it's not like I really pursued it with all my, with all my strength. I mean, I, I enjoy it, and I enjoy doing what I do, but I enjoy cooking. And, uh, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, people have to have more than just a, a face to, to take a picture with you know, in order to come back to a restaurant and make it successful. And uh, I, I believe that the, the quality of what you put on a plate has to be superlative and uh, has to be excellent. And uh, your service has to be excellent and uh, your atmosphere has to be uh, has to be very, very good. I mean, otherwise you're not going to get anywhere. You know, I mean, I know, I, I uh, trust me, there is a lot of restaurants here that wish me dead uh, around me, but, you know, they don't understand that having me here has generated a little bit more life into the neighborhood, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Because there was nothing else happening. What advice do you give to people who may come to your restaurant and say, oh, honey, I really want to try this myself tomorrow night. What are, the, what are some of the common mistakes that home cooks make when they try to replicate your food? You know, what the, the biggest mistake that they make is that they don't uh, pull back and hold back. They always uh, overthink it and over overseas and overspice. I mean, everybody has their own idea now. Uh, something should be spiced and uh, seasoned, right? And uh, generally, I find that they overdo everything. They overdo it. 
You know, I mean, like I have the beer risotto recipe on my wall, mm -hmm. and it's there for a reason because everybody wants to know the recipe. It's been publicized so many times, mm -hmm. but everyone comes over and is like, "Oh, I tried to do it at home; it doesn't work." So, but you know, I mean, I, you have the recipes exactly what I do, and then I, sometimes when I have time, I bring them in the kitchen and I show them exactly. So, but it doesn't come out. Like, oh, I cook my risotto at least forty-five minutes. Oh, I I do the risotto, but I I throw a little bit of cognac in it. So why why would you do all of those things? You know why? <laughs> it's not like you're making it better. There's no reason to have the excess. Yeah. You know that it's so much easier to keep things simple. If you could cook anything else, if somebody said to you, "You can't cook Italian ever again," what would it be? <laughs> well, you know, I'm a passion. I'm passionate about French, right? And uh, you know, I totally enjoy also Spanish food. Uh, that's very, very close to Italian anyway. But, uh, you know, going down to the Middle East, I mean, I can go nuts in Moroccan and, uh, and Lebanese food. I can definitely make a good go at it. Uh, Indian cuisine, when it's done really well, I mean, that, that really tickles my fancy. Mm -hmm. I love that stuff. You know what I mean? The curries and all, uh, you know, the, the beautiful smells of the spices. I mean, they just excite me to no end. But the, the food that I eat the most will be always, always Asian, you know, I mean, Chinese, Japanese. I yeah. mean, to me, when I look at uh, Instagram and there is always my friend Antonio Parco with, uh, with all the beautiful toro, mm -hmm. you know, the tuna belly. And he's displaying it so beautifully. It makes me want to <laughs> just fly to Montreal to just have a few pieces. I mean, I, I just go nuts on this stuff, you know. You've been open four weeks. It's already a success. Everybody I know that's eaten there is loving it. What's next? Is it retirement? What's next for, for the Massimo Empire? I, I was retired. I was doing very well. I was looking after all the restaurants uh, that I licensed out, uh, you know what I mean, in Qatar and uh, oh, trying to open one in Dubai. And I have uh, Niagara Falls and two in the airport over here. I mean, I was doing very well. But uh, to tell you the truth, I wanted to get up and come down in a restaurant, have a kitchen. I enjoy the lifestyle. I don't know why I enjoy the lifestyle. I cannot pull away from this. Isn't it funny how so many chefs go back to the kitchen after all these years? Yeah. You build this media empire, but ultimately all you want to do is go back and play with food. I know. That, that is, I can't, go, I can't pull away from this. Is uh, This is what I like to do. You know what I mean? I have people that come over and say, what are you doing making pizzas? Say, hey, I, I'm, I'm enjoying doing this. Leave me alone. I want, to make, I want to make pastas. I'm, I'm making cavatelli in the back. And yesterday I was making ravioli. I mean, you know, I enjoy doing that. That's what I do. You know, oh, chef, this looks really beautiful. How did you do it? I said, well, I'll show you. This is how you do things. You know what I mean? You clean vegetables. You clean them like this and that. I explain to them how to, you know, revive vegetables, maintain vegetables, maintain produce. You know what I mean? Make it better. Make it taste better. Make it look better, you know. Like, oh, wow, wide-eyed. Everybody's like, oh, my God, I didn't know that. Nobody's ever taught me like that. So, well, I'm sorry. I mean, this is what I do. But this is like, you can take a 10-year-old kid in Italy and he knows how to do this, you know? <laughs> You're being a tad modest. I'm not quite sure most 10-year-olds will be able to do what you do. <laughs> Massimo, it was an honor to work next to you all those years ago, and it's an honor to now call you a friend. And I will turn up to any restaurant in which you're cooking. It's just super fun to be able to, to eat a meal that you've made. This has been a blast. Thank you so much for your time. Mike, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. you you're always welcome here. You know that, right? You'll see me far too much. I'll see you soon. <laughs> okay. Ciao. Bye. That was the lovely Massimo Capra. You can get all the information on his restaurants, his cookbooks, and everything else at MassimoCapra.com. That's M-A-S-S-I-M-O-C-A-P-R-A.com. If you are in Toronto, please check out his restaurant. It is phenomenal. I've been twice in four weeks. And uh, recipes, tips, and techniques, ChefMikeWard.com. And you can reach me all my social links through that website as well. 
keep coming with your feedback. I'm having fun. Hope you are too. And I'll see you next week.